0: To you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's time for another episode of Tech Talk with your host Joey Klein. Welcome to Tech Talk, everyone. Um, we have got a great local entrepreneur on today, Jason Graub, CEO and co-founder of Toriel. Jason, how you doing? It is great to be here. Thank you for having me. Good. Uh, okay, so you know we we have. All different types of CEOs and execs and co-founders or no-founders on this show. And so today we've got both a CEO and a founder um, and a company that just raised a little bit of cash. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun diving into what you guys are doing. So first of all, Toriel, spelled T-O-U-R-I-A-L for everyone out there listening, so you can Google them. Headline, what do you guys do?
1: Yeah, so really high level, we provide a way for software companies to build interactive product experiences of their software, really focusing top of funnel um, on those marketing use cases. So the first time a potential buyer ever sees your product, experiences your product, interacts with your product, that's where you can use a Toriel-like experience to give them a really good feel for what they're actually going to be you know, going through the buying process about.
0: Okay, and we're going to try in, as best as we can, audially, audio... Yeah recreate that experience right but for anyone listening it is actually very cool if you go to their website you will really get to see how it works but just as best as you can describe to folks who are listening how it works
1: yeah the basically i would say the way it works is you're going to click on one of these tutorial experiences um, and then it's all interactive so you're actually clicking through the full experience of let's say imagine you know you go to tutorial website you're walking through what it's like to be actually being using the tutorial platform um, so our own tour actually has a Basana. So like imagine you are um, a VP of marketing at Asana and you're trying to share what Asana does as a platform. Um Toril, what gives you an interactive way to walk through that without ever having to log in for Asana, for example. So this is all exists outside of the platform.
0: Yeah, so okay, so as, as opposed to maybe a rep well we're gonna talk about how this kind of interacts with sales yep. and marketing in a second, but as opposed to a rep describing this to someone on the phone. Um, we are basically looking at a video um, of someone going through the software as opposed to you trying to figure it out yourself what it does
1: exactly so video but more interactive in the sense that the the buyer the visitor is the yeah. one who's actually clicking through it whereas a video is a bit more passive it actually forces
0: the person to kind of engage and it that' process allows them to educate more on what the software does. Okay, so this is by the time they go, assuming they're an interested buyer, by the time they go in to actually speak with someone from sales, they're a little bit further along in their understanding of the product than they typically would be.
1: Yep, it allows them to do more of that evaluation, um, and even to the point that some of our customers say that people will buy their software without ever having to talk to a
0: sales rep. Okay, so we we, we went there, so let's, let's talk <laughs> about that, okay? So, I can see a use case in which this... It obviously depends on sort of how complicated and complex a sale is for a certain piece of um, software. I can see a use case in which this augments what marketing and sales are already doing, right? It leads more qualified folks to sales right off the bat. I can also see a use case in which this sometimes circumvents sales altogether. Uh, Or is it just... Is one of those the right way to do it? Does it just depend on the company? What, what, what do your buyers prefer?
1: I think it really depends on how their marketing and sales teams are set up. So I would say the in the future, maybe bypassing that sales rep, but right now it's really how do you augment the process of using the sales rep um, to have a more qualified and meaningful conversation. So imagine all the questions that a sales rep might be having during a discovery call mm-hmm. that they don't really need to be having because someone has already answered
0: those questions for themselves through a tutorial experience. Okay, but I imagine that this is typically a product that is purchased by marketing as a way to send leads to sales. Or are you selling? Are you are you selling into a CMO or a CRO? Or it just depends on the company. More
1: often a CMO, VP of Marketing, Director of Marketing okay. persona. Um, the biggest reason is the website is definitely the the core place that someone is going to be right. experiencing
0: a tutorial. Okay. Okay, so this is not something where, and, and I don't know, maybe this is in the future, right? Y- yes, right now I, I can totally see how this works on the website and have experienced it myself. Is this something that, let's say, an SDR is reaching out to prospects? Could they embed something like this in an email for them to experience, or does that not... Is is that not a functionality right now?
1: Yeah, so you could hyperlink it in an email. So okay. it wouldn't embed like a video. Um, there's some technical limitations with Gmail that prevent that. Yeah, um, But we do have a lot of companies that will really have their outbound sales team, for example, say, hey, check out this
0: tour. And you click on that and it would open a full a kind of microsite experience that that tutorial goes through. Okay, very cool. So, you know, I imagine your pitches, look, we live in a very, very crowded universe of B2B software. And this is a way for people who use Toriel to stand out to their buyers. Yep. Okay. So I, I brought up B2B software, which of course I imagine is quite um, a robust prospect for Toriel's own sales efforts. Are there, are there specific types of software companies that work best with Toriel?
1: Not really. Okay. Um, I would say we have customers that really span SMB through enterprise and really any type of software, um, even top companies that have uh, like hardware. So if you think about IoT companies mm-hmm. like a Samsara, can get a lot of benefit from a tool like Toriel because you can not only show how your software works, but because you're using just screenshots and videos of the software to build it. Um, you could actually
0: show your hardware in relation to that software, kind of the Mm. full product value. Yeah, okay, and so, so hardware or software both work. I imagine that this is typically something that applies to an inside sale, a sale that happens over the phone or the internet, as opposed to, you know... I mean, I guess maybe it could be the first step of someone going to actually see a prospect in person, but I imagine most of this is applies to inside sales.
1: Especially, I think, in 2022 with the pandemic, yeah, most sure. of our sales are definitely inside. Yeah. Um, we do get requests for like a downloadable tutorial feature. So if you imagine you're at an event or you are doing door-to-door sales, that you could have that tutorial
0: pulled up without needing Wi-Fi. Um, so that's definitely something that we're considering. What What is your... What are folks doing now, right? I mean, it's... Uh, actually, I... So slight, slight tangent. So, I recently had uh, Jeff Perkins, who's the well, he's now the CEO of Park Mobile. He was the CMO, and he wrote a book that everyone should get because it's very good. It's called "How Do Not Suck at Marketing," um, and it is he's been a marketing guy his whole life, and it's really just about the massive number of technological changes that people in marketing have to keep up with. Um, it's it, when I really started to think about it, it's really unlike any other function except I would say sales as well, which somewhat, you know, kind of go together in terms of how much you have to keep up with. So that lead in, what are the folks you're talking to doing now? Is there something that is similar tutorial? Is this a total, um, paradigm shift in terms of how people have, um, their prospects experience a product at the front end of the funnel?
1: So I think there is, without a doubt, a paradigm shift that's occurring right now. Um, The biggest thing being driven by the buyer. So if you think about from a B2C side, um, we're all going to Amazon and we can buy something and have it at our door potentially the same day. Um, That urgency, that need to feel the product, see the product earlier is now kind of coming into the B2B space. So you think about as a marketer, um, you really want to be showing the product as early as possible because there's an impatience, I think. With humans in general in this day and age that people want to be able to experience whatever they're buying earlier. Um, and, of, you know, I think there's also that stigma of getting on the phone with a salesperson. So the less you can force a potential buyer to do that and kind of match the way they want to purchase software, um, you're going to have more success.
0: Yeah. Uh, I, so the, the first job that I ever had out of college was as an SDR. Um, and I'm thinking, I mean, this was around 2008, 2009. And then it seemed like buyers were bombarded with so many um, forms of information. Now, you know, it makes that time look, you know, laughably pedestrian. And so I imagine that this is very welcomed um, by the folks that you work with. What are some of the different ways that people that marketing uses this tool?
1: So the website um, is definitely the the primary way, but you could have one tutorial on your website. You could have 10. It really depends. Are you trying to show kind of the whole product experience? Do you want to show different features, Um, maybe how a certain integration works? Um, So the website, I think, as the core primary use case, that's the main way when someone hears about a company. They're Mm going to go to their website and check it out. You want to give them that product experience on the website that will enable them to at least get some of the information that they would want as part of that initial evaluation. Um, outside of the website, you have outbound sales, like you mentioned, is definitely a really, really big use case um, with emails. So okay. being able to say, check out a tour, um in an email really quickly and easily. Um, LinkedIn, you know, when I was actually uh, selling tutorial originally a couple of years ago, um, a lot of what I would do is I would take a tutorial link and I would pop it in a LinkedIn message and say, hey, just check this out. All they had to do is open it up. And they were able to experience whatever that
0: was without ever having to talk to someone. Yeah. Um, So I'm thinking about. I mean, it's really is sort of the proof is in the pudding, right? So you talked about selling Toriel. Okay, look, typically co-founders and you know uh, are the chief salespeople for a period of time. So are you getting to the point where y'all have a dedicated sales team who is, of course, using Toriel? to sell Toriel, or does most of the onus still fall upon you and you know the other executives?
1: Oh, yeah. So we definitely, we brought our first sales hire actually about a year ago, Okay, um, a director of sales, um, and then we have been steadily building out our sales team over the last year. So we have about three account executives right now. Um, it's been really effective, and we obviously use tutorials ourselves, got to practice what we preach um,
0: yeah. in all of our outreach. Well, and, and I imagine that um, it helps you sell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, you know, they're sort of, they're, they're, they're buying the experience. Um, so do you have any stats in terms of, you know, comparing what's say after six months, what a marketing department was doing before to after using Toriel, you know, whatever it is, how many more qualified leads they send to sales, how many more deals close? Are there any metrics like that that exist?
1: Yes, I'd say the the leading two metrics that we really focus on are the volume and the quality of those top-of-funnel leads. Um, So when someone implements a tutorial, if they have their data tracking set up pretty well, they'll see typically between a 2 to 3x increase in the total volume of leads. Um, Not only that, but it's a little harder to uh, quantify quality. Um, but overall, our customers will also see that the quality of those leads is a lot higher because those buyers have evaluated the different tools already. They've already kind of gotten a feel for it, so they can disqualify themselves earlier in the process.
0: Okay, less people who sort of fall through the cracks and prove to just not be serious buyers. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like all of us have been on a sales call and we realize halfway through the sales call that we're not really interested or not qualified.
0: Right. You're How like, do you avoid? Why, those why you take the call? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so in looking at a tutorial, it's clear that there, there's an art to it, right? There's a design aesthetic to it to make it visually appealing as well as um, intellectually appealing. So when, when you are working with VP of marketing for company X and they actually end up becoming a customer of yours, is it intuitive for them to set up the tutorial? Do you have consultants and guides who sort of help them design it? How does that work?
1: Yeah, so there's kind of three elements to when you actually would, you know, let's say you sign a contract with Toriel to having these tours live and using them in your website. Um, the first element is the builder. So that's actually building the actual Toriel experience. That's all no code. So a marketer can do that themselves. They don't necessarily need a designer um, or design experience to do that. Um, then there's actually putting it on the website. So that sometimes takes a little more technical experience. We do have a pretty easy embed code. So you can put it in an iframe, um, mm-hmm. which most, you know, web designers or marketers are familiar with. And I think the last and most important component that we're really starting to focus on now, which is all of the engagement activity that you can understand that what people are doing when they go through a tutorial. So imagine you want to understand what John Doe does. They actually go through a tour on your website, and then they submit a lead. You're going to want to make sure that the sales team understands that John Doe went through that tutorial, And what he did, because that might, you know, build a much stronger sales relationship if you know what they're interested in before the call ever
0: happens. Sure. It's you have to do a little bit less discovery. Exactly. Okay. And I think that y'all recently released an integration with HubSpot, right?
1: We did. Okay.
0: So tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So that's right along the lines of that engagement activity. So it's the first integration we released like Mm -hmm. this. um, But it basically allows anyone who uses HubSpot um, as their marketing automation platform to basically um, add Toril to their website under their subdomain and when they do that, as long as the company knows who that person is, um, whether it's through a lead form through tutorial or whether it's a, through a lead form through their own website, they would have all of the data of what happens in that tutorial. So that's the amount of time they spent. What did they click on? Did they finish it? Um, all of that activity
0: will actually log into their HubSpot account for their marketing and sales teams to use. Do you think that this sort of technology could be applied to something that isn't a piece of... Technology, software or hardware, maybe more of a, a service or an experience provider.
1: Oh yeah. Early on, I would say we got pulled in a lot of different directions of people wanting to use Toriel for all different types of tools. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the more interesting was was like real estate listings. Um, So imagine being able to create a Toriel of an actual property um, and just taking pictures and you kind of have tool tips and hotspots that kind of walk through the different elements of the property. So we definitely have people that have gotten pretty creative um, but our bread and butter is definitely still focusing on technology companies.
0: Okay. That's right. I, it's look, obviously at this point in your growth, you gotta, you gotta focus. Yeah. 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 And, and of course, as a commercial real estate yeah. guy, that's, <laughs> you know, sort of was in my head also. Yeah. Like, that would be very interesting. Although I imagine that, you know, maybe those brokers out there who represent the landlords, uh, you know, maybe want to be able to do that in person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so let's talk a little bit about you. Okay, how did you get to Atlanta? How did you start Toriel? What is your entrepreneurial journey?
1: Yeah, so I actually started my career up in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from. Um, Spent my first four or five years in public accounting, very different than software and startup worlds. Um, So I actually was a CPA. Um, Realized pretty early on that I didn't want to be an auditor for my my whole life Um, and started my first company actually out of that. So it was called Game Plan. Um, which was kind of like a collaborative version of Yelp. Um, yeah. But that was really the start of my startup journey. And I would say that I learned a lot from that failure um, and kind of going through that process of learning what not to do. Um, and the biggest thing, the biggest component of Game Plan, was it actually introduced me to the founders of Gather Technologies, um, which was a software company based down here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, so met those founders. And when it was time to move on from Game Plan, um, they actually created a role for me at Gather. Um, to run the marketplace arm of their business. So I was actually managing partnerships with Yelp, OpenTable, um, and I was actually the GM of an internal marketplace they owned called EventUp. Um, and that was where I met my co-founder, Andy. So Andy was on the marketing team. I was running the marketplace side of the business, so both kind of in marketing and in some form within, yeah. within Gather. Um, and that gave us the opportunity to build that friendship, build that trust. Um, and then when Andy kind of had the light bulb moment for Toriel, um, he brought me along about
0: six months later as a co-founder. Okay, so yeah, it's just you know we we all have these moments and things where we just never know where something's going to lead us. Um, I'm I'm curious about your your background, right? You go from CPA, which is typically a very um, predictable, rote tasks. Um, And, and look, my wife is a CPA and, you know, we have a very good balance in our family. You know, she is the risk averse one and I am the risk embracing one. Okay. It works very well. Um, So do you think that you have somewhat of a risk averse personality and you kind of pushed yourself to get past that, to become an entrepreneur or had you always has always had this in you and whatever anyone wants to glean from you being a CPA doesn't really have anything to do with your risk profile?
1: I would say it was, I always had this in me, yeah. I think during college is when I started to really explore entrepreneurship. But by the time I got more into it, I also had that job offer from KPMG and, um, I was ready to, you know, have a secure job offering kind of yeah. in that risk averse side of me. But I think early on, it took me about six months to a year to realize that that wasn't really for me. It wasn't exciting enough. And it was, I wanted more of a challenge where I could really kind of build something that was my own.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you have that in you it is uh it's impossible to turn off and your your biggest regret in life generally becomes if you don't scratch that itch. And you wake up several decades later and uh you know, you wonder about what could have been. Oh yeah. Yes, it is it is very it is not only very helpful to know what you want to do, but I think even more helpful to realize very quickly what you don't want to do with your life. Exactly. Um okay, so you met um you met your co-founder at gather and did it take much convincing or the second that he kind of showed this to you were like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. I would
1: say didn't take me as much convincing as it took my wife. Um, I think that first failure was hard, um, but I learned a lot from it. So it definitely took a lot to to kind of take that leap back into entrepreneurship, especially because it was right around the time that um, the pandemic hit. Um, So it was definitely a big decision um, to move forward. But I think when I talked to customers, When I talked to people about what Toriel was and I saw the excitement, I knew there was something there and it was something that I really wanted to explore.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you just got to say, screw it and, you know, go for it. Yeah. That's great. And, and so do you, uh, you, you obviously have many moments where you say to your wife, I told you so, right? Because that's a totally healthy thing for a husband to do.
1: Yeah. I would say I definitely have to bite my lip (laughs) on that one.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, So, uh, you know, I I alluded earlier as to how I think marketing and sales change so quickly. And I am, well, look, you you probably have opinions on the future of marketing, sales, and Toriel's place in that world. But I'm curious if there are any, you know, besides how Toriel is going to be fantastic and make marketing and sales, uh, you know, even more effective. What are your thoughts on where marketing is going, where sales are going, and what the challenges are that lie ahead in the next five years for folks who run those verticals?
1: Yeah, I think the, the transition is more towards, you know, I think product-led is a very buzzy term right now in the marketing and sales world of getting people to experience the product earlier. Um, but I think it's really all about the buyer. And I think the, the farther we go over the next five years, it's going to become more about the buyer and what they want, what they're looking for, and understanding that as early as possible. So Toriel, or many other tools that are also working on this, I think um, you have G2 and Trust Radius, which are two marketplaces mm-hmm. that um, collect that social proof, the reviews from from customers. If you combine things like that um, with a tool like Torial, um, you can really kind of build a, a full picture of what someone cares about um, and better understand so companies can better understand and be aligned with their potential buyers based off of that. Was it ever not about the buyer? Um, I think... The, the company had the leverage. So if you think about historically, you had to call a number to buy something, right? So the company really still had all of the leverage. The more digital we've become, where people can buy things themselves online, companies are losing that leverage. The more they lose that, the more they're going to have to kind of adapt to the buyer.
0: Okay. I, I, I can understand that, right? Buyers have more information than they ever have before. Um, they go into the sale knowing more than they ever did before. And so the role of the salesperson changes. So for, for people who are getting into a sales career, it's, it's very different than if you did it, frankly, I think even 10 years ago, let alone 20 or 30, right? So what are the skills that people who are coming up in sales have to have today that they didn't maybe a decade ago? I don't think the skills have changed all that
1: much. I think you're still focusing on the problems of the buyer, right? I think that is going to still be core to sales. Um, I think the way you think about sales, where you're running this really long multi-demo type of sales cycle, is definitely changing. Mm. Um, I think a sales-assisted buyer process is something we're seeing a lot more of, where you know they may actually be in the product, they experience the product, and at certain milestones, um, that's when sales gets involved and says, hey, I saw you did this in the product. Um, Maybe it's time to have a conversation and see how you can take
0: advantage of our, of our software um, more, uh, more in depth. And I would imagine, okay, so you, you probably have a set of salespeople that is lower on the totem pole that doesn't like this because their value was providing information. Okay. And now of course that information can be, you know, gleaned online. There's probably another higher level of uh, salesperson that likes this shift because they can focus their, focus their time on those higher value activities.
1: Yeah. I would say the, a good salesperson doesn't really get scared by Toriel because yeah. um, they know where their real value is, which is not just kind of walking through a vanilla demo
0: of the, or of the, of the product. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's, yeah. that's probably not a, not a, a path to job security. Yeah. Yeah okay, Um, so Toriel recently raised a round of funding, uh, which is very exciting news. And what are your plans for the next twelve to eighteen months in the growth of the company?
1: Yeah, so we just recently raised our seed round, which was led by Bonfire Ventures. Um, They're actually based out in Los Angeles. Um, They really kind of aligned with our vision for where we want to take the company, which is. This is not about just being super, super product-led. It's about building something that that addresses to this trend that we're seeing, like we just talked about, this paradigm that we're seeing, where it's all about the buyer. And if you can address the needs of the buyer earlier in the sales process, earlier in the marketing funnel, um, you're going to have more success. That's really the hypothesis. um, As we start to build the business and scale the team especially, um, and focusing on the product roadmap, that is
0: going to really build those features um, that our buyers are going to want. Okay. So, so let's talk about the fundraising process. I, I remember when I was uh, having these conversations even just five years ago, um, most funds were being raised from the West Coast or the Northeast. Um, now, now, obviously, you just described a process that was led um, in on the West Coast. But more and more in Atlanta, there have been enough, um, an infusion of capital, enough successful exits that I find people, you know, I feel like more than, at least more than half the time, you know, someone's got a seed round that's led by an Atlanta-based investor. So I am curious, what was there a specific reason for looking outside of Atlanta? Did it just happen that way? What was that process like?
1: Yeah, so we actually raised a smaller pre-seed round about a year earlier, um, which was led by Knoll Ventures, okay. um, who is local here in Atlanta. Um, you know, we had we really are fond of the Atlanta VC community. I think the biggest thing was we wanted to talk to as many VCs as possible that would align with our vision and un- really understand the problem that we were solving. Um, so we now I think I talked to about forty different VCs over the course of a couple of months. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing with bonfires, they they got it. You know, it wasn't even really a pitch; it was really a conversation about. Problem and understanding, like our vision for where we want to take the the uh, the
0: company. Yeah, it's they sounds like they just felt like partners as opposed to you know someone who just wrote you a check. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's very cool. So this is, I guess, this is your second time in the CEO seat. Um, you know, first with your own, you know, your, your your first venture back in Philadelphia, and now with Toriel. What? And of course, in between there, you, you know, you, you work for someone else, right? You know, certainly still, you know, a growing company, but you work for someone else. So what have you taken from all those different experiences into your leadership role now? And how does it change as you kind of go to this next phase of the company's growth?
1: Yeah. And I would say it even starts earlier than that at KPMG. I think about, um, the, all of the things that I learned at KPMG just to be a professional, um, and really communication skills, um, as I think about the startup journey, you know, GamePlan was really learning at the earliest stage what to be looking for um, in terms of how do you get the product market fit. So I think that was the the failure at GamePlan was we never really were solving a true problem, okay. um, and that made it really hard to grow as a business. Um, you know, as we moved to Gather, um, obviously a different stage of a business. It was private equity backed, um, at about a hundred employees. So I really got to see a full software company in every different component of that business. So I could see a full engineering team, what a marketing team, a sales team looked like, um, get a full feel for how those teams operate, the processes that go into all that. So that gave me a feel for, okay, you know, Toriel's not there just yet, um, but kind of where we're moving towards. And then obviously I think over the last couple of, you know, years with Toriel, solving and validating those biggest pain points um, from those previous experiences I had.
0: Yeah, Okay. So uh, someone actually asked me this at dinner the other night, and I thought this was a great question that no one has ever asked me. What is the most – what piece of your job has been the most surprising to you or would be the most surprising to someone else that you have to do on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think –
1: I think it's all about the people when you get past about 10 to 15 people, employees on the team. And I think, um, the CEO role, you know, that's very glamorized. Um, but I think it's really about thinking about how you build the right team, the right culture. And it's easy to say that, but it's another thing to go out and actually do that and to bring really great quality talent onto a team. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, so that being said, what is the culture that you're looking to foster? Who who, who are the type of people that, um, Uh, help to realize that vision?
1: I think at this stage, the biggest thing that we look for are people that are self-starters. It's really hard um, to train at the earliest stages of people that, you know, you know, maybe someone who's straight out of college that doesn't have that professional experience yet. So we really need employees that can um, understand what they're doing, be self-starters, kind of carry a bag and really kind of run with things. You know, we can set the vision as founders and leaders um, but it's really about empowering everyone on the team um, so that they know what they're doing and they don't have to rely on us all the time. How do you try and suss
0: that out in an interview
1: process? Yeah, It's really about asking the right questions that get at not necessarily technical skills. Um, so I think when you think about a typical interview, it's really focusing on hard skills that they may have. But it's asking questions about you know an experience they had where they kind of went above and beyond or they helped out someone else who wasn't necessarily on their team. Questions that get at the... Um, really the grit and their personality and how they think about working as part of a team, um,
0: especially at this early of a stage when things are changing and evolving really, really rapidly. Okay. are Are there any interesting books that you've read recently that you think have been helpful in your journey, either as an executive or as a co-founder? I just read
1: Death to Meetings, which is was very, very helpful. I think, um, you know, as a company, you start to realize after you're at, you know, you kind of pass that five to eight person stage where everyone is really aligned and you can kind of just talk generally, you know, whether it's through Slack or email. Um, and you get to a certain point where you start to rely on meetings too much. Um, so reading that book really allowed me to understand where do we need meetings um, but really, where can you also then rely on asynchronous
0: communication to keep everyone aligned on the team? Okay, so so is most of your time right now spent on hiring? Is it spent on strategy? What are you doing with your day?
1: All of the above. Yeah, um, yeah, we're we're growing pretty quickly, so hiring is definitely a top priority. Um, strategy and understanding with the product, talking with our customers. So I'm still pretty involved in the day to day of the business. Um, As we bring more leaders on the team, that's getting less and less so. So it's also more important that I work with our leaders, um, coach them up so they can also understand what, you know, what's going to be expected and understand that vision.
0: And and how have you found the the talent atmosphere right now? I feel like most of the technology companies I talk to, they're having a hard time with technical talent, maybe not so much sales and marketing talent, but um, it just seems like it's extremely competitive out there. Yeah, I would
1: say it's really hard across the board. Yeah, Um, Technical talent and marketing and sales. Um, It's really challenging to find really competent individuals, and especially you have prior experience in software. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Software companies definitely operate a little different than a more traditional company. Um, So hiring people that can understand that coming in um, makes it a lot easier for them to ramp really quickly.
0: Is, Is this an issue of, because unemployment is so low, right? So is it just that... Okay, you hear about people who are quitting their jobs and moving on, but is it that at the level of employee you're looking for that they have moved on to someone who's made them, you know, just a large company has made them an incredible salary offer that cannot be matched by early stage company? Uh, what, what is the reason that it's so hard to find people right now, especially in a place like Atlanta? Yeah, I
1: think there's there's a lot of money out there for yeah. one. So there's a lot of investments being made in the software space. So a lot of companies that have a lot of capital that they can invest in employees. That's what's one part of it. But the technology sector is also growing so quickly that the employment base can't catch up to it. So if you think about um, experienced individuals that you know wow. Salesforce are desired by all 50 other companies that may be local here. Um, that are going after that same talent. So the, the 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 movement, this entire industry is growing so quickly that you can't build the experience
0: behind it. And I think that's making it harder. That's right. It's like you can't graduate them from Georgia Tech quick enough. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now, look, it is amazing. It's like, you know, I get term shade in my inbox every morning and you just look at not only the volume of companies every day that are announced they're being funded, but the sum of money they're getting. And, yeah, you just wonder, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> Do all these companies really have something amazing to offer to the marketplace? And then to your point, where are all the people who are going to work at this company come from? Yeah, that, 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 that is a good point. Um, so if someone is listening to this and uh, this has sparked their interest, how do they get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with Toriel to find out more about what you do?
1: So you go to Toriel.com. It's definitely the easiest way to take that tour. Um, right on our website. Um, you could sign up for a, a call with our sales team if you want. So it's we make it super easy. Um, it usually takes, you could take one sales call
0: um, and you could be onboarded on tutorial this week. Very cool. Okay, everyone. And again, it is spelled T-O-U-R-I-A-L. Jason, thanks a lot for coming on.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me.
0: Sure thing.